Because when you give, it shifts your entire mindset on money. When you no longer see money as something that is yours and yours alone, but something to be a steward of, to take care of other people, not just yourself, it changes everything. It changes your entire perspective. It changed my entire perspective on how I approach finances. It is episode 270 of the Business with Purpose podcast. I'm your host, Molly Stillman of Still Being Molly. And this show is all about bringing you the stories behind the brands, companies, and small businesses that are changing the world. Now, typically each week, I sit down with an entrepreneur, creative business owner, a CEO, a nonprofit director, thought leader, activist, author, speaker, somebody who is just incredible and is trying to make a positive positive impact, not only through their personal life, but also with their career. And my goal is that each and every week you leave that week's episode, just knowing that you, wherever you are, whatever you were created to do, you can do it with purpose and you can make an impact in the world. Literally doesn't matter what you do for a living. You can make an impact in the world by what you do for a living. Now, for my regular listeners, you know that every 10 episodes on the 10s is a solo episode or some kind of special episode. And so it's episode 270. And so that's what this week's episode is. Now, I have had some interesting feedback in the last couple of months. And a couple of some incredible listeners have reached out and said that you like some of these workshop style episodes where I kind of give you, you know, some listed bullet points on things. And so I started to poll my community as to what what kinds of things would you like to see me talk about? What how can I serve you best through this show? Now, One of the things that I blogged about uh, for years, I started blogging about this in 2012. So coming up on 10 years now, um, was I used to have this series on my blog called Molly's Money. And I would talk all things kind of personal finance, getting out of debt, all those kinds of things. Now, I'm, I'm not Dave Ramsey, okay? So I'm not that, that's not me. But as you know, getting out of debt was a big part of my own personal story. It's something I've talked a lot about. I'm married to a financial advisor. I am incredibly passionate and I care very, very much about uh, getting your personal finances in order. Having, you know, when the reality is, is when your personal finances are out of whack, it throws everything out of whack. You feel stressed. You you get stressed. You're frustrated. You're angry. Uh, people can suffer from depression over their finances. Marriages, one of the most common reasons that marriages end is over finances. Now, again, I, I, I'm not an expert, okay? But over the last, you know, 10, 12, 14 years, I've learned a lot along the way. Where I am in my financial journey now, it looks totally different than where I was in my financial journey in 2004, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. 10, uh, it, it, it totally different. I have learned so much. And so my, my hope and my encouragement is that I can just kind of uh, impart some wisdom on you and and share some of the things that I've learned along the way. And even if you would consider yourself to be, you know, financially responsible and have your personal finances in order, my goal with this episode, and and I've got some ideas for some other future episodes, uh, is just to maybe you learn something new. Maybe you learn something new again. And I'm not an expert. I am married to a financial advisor who I would say is an expert. So I've learned a lot of things from him as well. Um, But again, 
from my own personal journey of of getting into debt uh, and struggling with debt and then getting out of debt. And, you know, now uh, the only debt that that we have uh, is our mortgage you know, just kind of uh, living a a debt-free lifestyle. I've learned a lot of things along the way. So today's episode is titled 20 Ways to Become a Financially Responsible Adult. 20 ways to become a financially responsible adult. Now, if you don't do all 20 of these things, don't don't hear me and think that I'm telling you that you're not a financially responsible adult. This is just, you know, this is just the, the, the 20 things that I think will hopefully be helpful. But before we get into the episode, I want to take a quick moment and thank our partner of the show, and that is Mama Suds. Now, my girl, Michelle Smith, the head mama at Mama Suds, she's been a guest on this show. She's been a partner of the show for quite some time. I am a huge Mama Suds fan. And what she does is she helps label reading moms create a safe and non-toxic home for their family by creating synthetic-free household cleaners. Now, one of her incredible household cleaners uh, is the Mama Suds Fine Linen Soap, which, let me tell you, is the best thing since pumpkin sliced bread, okay? You can wash your high-quality sheets, linens, delicates, and organic fabrics with a fine linen soap to keep them looking newer and softer longer. Now, here's what you do. You use three to four capfuls for high-efficiency machines on a delicate cycle or four to six capfuls for regular machines on that delicate cycle. Now, again, I use her laundry soap. I use her uh, the extra strength oxygen powder. I use her Castile soap, her household cleaner. Her stuff's amazing. So head on over to mamasuds.com. That's M-A-M-A-S-U-D-S.com. Use the code Molly for 15% off your order. All right, now onto the show. So today's show is 20 ways to become a financially responsible adult. Financially, financially, financially. That's how I'm going to say it. A financially responsible adult. Again, I've learned a lot over the last, you know, 10 to 15 years. And these things are some of the things that I kind of learned along my journey and are just key to becoming a financially responsible grown adult. Now, I'm in my late 30s, okay? Uh, but it, it doesn't matter if you're in your 20s, your 30s, your 40s, your 50s. Trust me, my husband meets with clients all the time, and he has clients in his 50s and 60s, and some of his clients don't even know some of these things. So uh, it doesn't matter where you are in your journey. These things can help you. So these are 20 of the things. This is not an exhaustive list, but sort of 20 things that I've learned along the way to become a financially responsible grown adult. Number one, this is in no particular order, by the way, okay? Just so you know. (laughs) Number one is live within your means. Now, what does that mean? That means living on less than you make. This means not maxing out a credit card every month. This means having extra money at the end of the month, even if it's $10. If you have $10 left over at the end of the month, you have lived that month month on less than you make. The reality is, is we live in a culture that is constantly creating this desire in us to spend, buy, spend, buy, spend, buy. And people are maxing out credit cards. They have massive amounts of credit card debts. They're buying houses that they can't really afford and they are not living within their means. It's amazing to me when I will sometimes drive uh, through areas where I'll see, you know, these just incredibly expensive cars, but then the house is falling apart. 
And I just kind of think to myself, like, again, I don't I know I don't try to make assumptions or know people's stories. But at the end of the day, if you have a 60 to 80 thousand dollar car in your driveway, but your roof is falling off and the paint's chipping on the side of your house and there, you know, I mean, like, I don't know, maybe we should be checking and seeing what's going on. So but at the end of the day, live within your means. Now, I understand that this is hard to do. Okay. Again, I'm speaking from experience. This was my story. I spent years not living within my means and I found myself tens and tens of thousands of dollars in consumer credit card debt. And it didn't take me, you know, a minute to get into that much debt, but it took me a long time to get out of it. And it was a long, a lot of work. It was hard. And I had to work my butt off to get out of that debt. And one of those things is I had to live within my means. So this is the number one most important things. Live within your means. Now, how do you do that? That leads me to number two is budget. Know how to budget. It's actually really surprising to me how many people do not have a monthly budget. You have to have a monthly budget. This was one of the things that I did not do well early on in my journey to becoming debt-free. I did not have a monthly budget. It wasn't until December of 2010, I started working to get out of debt in uh, June of 2008. It wasn't until December of 2010 that I started a monthly budget. And that was huge for me. I hate to use the trope or the whatever, the cliche game changer, but it was a game changer. I'm telling you, creating a monthly budget. To this day, my husband and I have a shared monthly budget. Okay. There are a ton of different systems out there. I've shared a system on my blog before where it's just, it's literally just an Excel spreadsheet monthly budget. Um, there's tons of different, uh, you know, apps and software things. I think there's like something called you need a budget. There's mint. Um, my husband and I personally use, uh, Dave Ramsey's every dollar. We just personally like the usability of every dollar. It has a, an, an iPhone app. I like the desktop version of it. In our experience, we personally really like every dollar because of some of the other features that it has as far as like different types. You can label different types of things like savings or funds or, uh, you know, you can just it, it, you can really tackle different types of financial goals using that. So that that's what we use. But anything like that, you have to have a monthly budget. I don't care how much money you make. I don't care if you are Elon Musk. You need a monthly budget because you need to know how much money is coming in and you need to know how much money is going out in each and every category. Now, you control the budget until the first of the month, okay? So you set what the budget parameters are. And then after that, the budget controls you. You stick to your monthly budget. You need to know how much is going out of your account each month, how much is coming in. Everything is accounted for. I even log and track my like 99 cent diet Cokes or a dollar eight diet Cokes from, you know, the gas station or McDonald's. Okay. Don't at me. All right. (laughs) But it's, it's so important to track all of those things. All right. Number three is save for emergencies. Now I know you're probably gonna be like, Molly, I know I'm supposed to have an emergency fund. It is so important. You need to have three to six months of expenses set aside in an emergency fund or some kind of account in case you lose your job. Hey, we saw a lot of that in the last 18 months. If maybe you're unable to work because you get sick. Again, we've seen a lot of that in the last you know few years. Your heat pump goes out. Your car needs a repair. You break a leg. Anything. Emergencies happen and you need to save for them. Uh, this was something that, you know, actually in the last few months, my husband and I 
uh, we decided to increase our emergency fund because the lifestyle that we are living right now on the farm, you know, if something were to happen, uh, you know, before when we were living in a cul-de-sac in the suburbs, you know, we both work for ourselves. But if something were to happen, like we didn't have as many things that were necessarily like immediately dependent upon us, with the exception of our house and our kids and, you know, our, our, our each other. But now we've got, you know, farm animals and we've got, uh, you know, uh, my husband's business who is, he works here from the farm. And we've got other things that, like if if one of us were to un, you know unable to work there's a lot more at stake here so we increased our emergency fund so you kind of have to figure out for you what is the right amount to save uh, for an emergency fund? But again, uh, the reality is, is, is emergencies are going to come up. I mean, we had bought our, our farm. We bought it in December. We did a big renovation on it. We moved in. The week after we moved in, we find out that basically the entire water treatment system on our house needed to be replaced. Okay? <laughs> this didn't show up on the inspection. That's a whole other thing for another day. But... We had to replace, it was like a lot of money. I don't even want to say because it was, it was not something that we wanted to be spending that much money on right after we had just done a renovation and moved into this house. It was a lot. Then like within the same week, the electric panel that's like on the side of the house where like the power company plugs into it and it's like on the side of your house and then you've got the breakers around it and it's what's pumping power into your house. That entire thing broke and needed to be replaced. And it was like a massive fire hazard. So guess what? <laughs> that was like another $2,700 repair that we did not plan for. But we had an emergency fund and we were able to, to cover it. Was it fun to spend that much money on emergency repairs the first week we were living in our new house? No, it was not. But that's why you have an emergency fund. So super, super key, start saving for emergencies. Number four, save for the future save for the future. As we've all seen in the last 18 to 20 months is, you know, the future is unpredictable. And so you need to learn about different ways to invest your money, whether it's like, you know, contributing to your 401k at work or a traditional IRA or a Roth IRA, or you know, maybe a money market account or, you know, something like a mutual fund, whatever it is. Or if you're older, maybe you're thinking of like an annuity or something like that, saving for the future. And even if it's just a little bit, like if you're in your 20s, you can start this now and like think about how much you can be saving over the course of, you know, 20, 30, 40 years in your career and you can retire and and you know really not worry in retirement about how much money you need to to make in order to live the lifestyle you want to live. And I realize that this is a luxury for some people. Maybe this is something that you have to plan for. But the reality is, is you need to save for the future because you don't want to get to 50 or 60 years old and then suddenly realize you have nothing saved for retirement and you want to retire and, and you can't. So save for the future. Number five, <laughs> this is going to sound maybe a little silly, but you would be surprised because again, guys, I'm speaking from experience. <laughs> Pay your bills on time. All of them. Utilities, rent, credit cards, medical bills. What They have a due date. And that due date needs to be adhered to strictly. All right? Again, I'm speaking from experience. Pay your bills on time. Now, number six, check your credit report yearly. 
every single year, you need to be pulling your credit report and making sure there's nothing funky or wonky on it. You need to know exactly where your credit stands. You could have become a victim of credit or, you know, or identity theft, and you have no idea unless you've pulled your credit report. And this is also kind of to that point is you need to be checking your credit card statement regularly. In fact, this actually just happened this week. I was doing our monthly budget and I was kind of, you know, filing in our every dollar. I was you know, moving receipts and things over into each category to to track our our spending and I saw that there was a like a charge for $21.50 or something at a Sonic drive-in, like drive-through, like the son- fast food Sonic restaurant. Now, there are Sonics in North Carolina. There is not a Sonic near where we live. Uh, I think the closest one is like maybe like 40 minutes away. So I was really confused because I certainly had not been to Sonic. So I asked my husband, I was like, did you somehow like find a Sonic around here? And he was like, no. Well, we dug a little bit deeper and sure enough, it was a Sonic in like Frisco, Texas. And I was like, well, I don't think you or I have been to Frisco, Texas this week. Now, interestingly enough, that was the only charge on the card uh, that was wonky. But a lot of times what will happen with like credit or identity theft people is they will do like a small little charge at a grocery store or uh, you know, like a Sonic or something like that to test and see if it works. And then they go and, you know, spend a lot of money. We actually happened, had that happen one time where somebody had gone to a Big Lots and spent $4 at a Big Lots. And then the next day, uh, and it was like in Ohio, spent, a four, spent $4 at a Big Lots in Ohio. And then the next day went and spent like $4,500 at a, uh, like a, like a tool store, like a home improvement type store. And, uh, so yeah, obviously that was not us, but in any event, all that to say is you need to be checking your credit card statements. You need to be checking your credit report. You like, and I say this again, because I'm speaking from experience. This was something that I did not do for a long time. And I had many times where I was like getting charged for things that uh, I shouldn't have been getting charged for. I There is this app and I can't even remember what the name of it is, but I saw an ad for it the other day where it's like a thing that you pay for and it connects to your bank a card, your bank card, your credit card, and it will like tell you all the things that you're subscribed to so that you can cancel those subscriptions. And I'm thinking to myself, why is this a service that is needed? Just log into your account and see what you're being charged for. Like, why do you need to pay a service to see what things you're subscribed to? It just makes no sense to me. But I mean, maybe maybe I'm crazy. But the reality is, is check your credit report, uh, pull it every year. Um, I love to use an app called Credit Sesame. And that is actually a total, totally free app to check one of your credit reports. And it'll give you your, your credit score. They have a paid version where you can pull uh, different credit reports. But that's so important. Also checking that credit card statement, making sure that there's nothing wonky and nobody in Frisco, Texas is buying Sonic with your money. Okay. Number seven, learn how to shop for insurance. Hmm. What is that? What do I mean by that? So health insurance and auto insurance are not the only insurances that you need. And yes, you need to be uh, shopping for your, you know, making sure you're getting the best deal on your auto insurance or your health insurance, things like that. But you also need life insurance. Okay. 
If you are a grown adult, I don't care if you're single, if you're married with one kid or married with 19 children, you need life insurance. Hear me when I say that you need life insurance. You need renters or homeowners insurance. You need disability insurance, whatever. But you need to be shopping for those things and taking those things into account. Now, again, I'm going to like talk about how awesome my husband is. But I mean, he's somebody who actually one of the things he does as a financial advisor is sometimes like he sells life insurance. Now, he's not like a life insurance salesman. That's just something that is often kind of factored in to uh, when you're working with somebody in a financial advisory um, you know, capacity. I think my husband's pretty awesome and pretty smart. So you can always reach out to him if you have questions about that. Um, but the reality is, is you need life insurance. Uh, the, if anything, the pandemic has taught us that life is fleeting and life is short and, and life is unpredictable. Uh, you need to be in a situation where if God forbid, if heaven heaven forbid something were to happen to you, that those around you would be taken care of. Um, you know, I've had a friend whose husband unexpectedly died. It was horrible and tragic. And he left behind a wife and, and a couple of children. And he didn't have life insurance. And so now suddenly they're paying for a funeral and all these things and planning for all these things that they they just didn't expect. And so life insurance is, is just that. It's making sure that you are taking care of yourself and your loved ones um, and, and setting them up so that if, if heaven forbid something were to happen to you, they would be okay. But the important thing is shop for those things, get different quotes, make sure that you're not just going with the with the Geico's because that's the one you see the commercials of all the time is call around and ask. Okay. All right. Cool. Number eight, I was going to say question number eight, but that's not right. Point number eight is learn how to control your spending habits. Now, this kind of fits in with point number one, which is living within your means, but learning how to control your spending habits and, and understanding what kind of spender you are. So are you an impulse buyer? Do you tend to get sucked into like sales or specials? Or are you, a, do you, are you allured by a limited edition type stuff? Is just knowing and understanding your spending habits so that you can control them and they are not in control of you. So knowing how to say no to that thing that you just don't need and, and knowing how to save up for the things that maybe is a want, um, but you're able to save up for it. And it's just that much more worth it in the end is controlling those spending habits, understanding what those spending habits are, and then how do you approach those spending habits uh, in the end. Number nine is getting your debt under control. Now, this seems a little bit self-explanatory. If you're in debt, now is the time to get out of debt. So tackling debt and how do you tackle debt? Um, my, uh, I keep using my husband as an example, but it's, you know, this is, this is what he does for a living and I've learned a lot along the way. So he had a client, uh, they were a young couple and they had a, you know, a pretty, they, they had a, a young son uh, and they were in a pretty significant amount of debt with a little bit of credit card debt, but a lot of student debt. And they were talking about how uh, they were really trying to save for the future, start saving for retirement, investing, all those kinds of things. And so they were like, you know, but we're, we're not really sure what to do. You know, we've got all these expenses over here with childcare and the mortgage and all that kind of stuff. And so one of the things that my husband kind of realized as he is sitting down with them and they're looking at everything is that they had gained quite a bit of equity 
in their house. Uh, they had bought their house kind of at the the lower part of the market. And right now the market here in North Carolina is just insane. And houses are selling for way more than they uh, did, you know, a couple of years ago. And, you know, so he's talking, he's like, well, let's look at, here's what you have. You've got this, this house that is actually worth quite a bit more now than what you paid for it. Um, do you like it? And they're like, actually, no, we don't really like our house. We really kind of we really kind of want to sell it and we want to move. And he said, all right, this is what you're going to do. This is what you're going to do is you're actually going to put your house on the market and you're going to sell your house and get that equity from that house. And then you're going to rent for six months, a year and take the equity from that house, pay off that debt, and then put the rest in savings, you know, and, and he gave him some other strategies. I'm not going to get into all that. And he's like, but now you're debt free. You've got some rent that you're paying, but you can then take everything else and, and some of the expenses that you would not have with renting that you do have, you know, with, with buying a house and you can then, you know, save up for a down payment to, to buy a house next year. And so they did that. They sold their house. They got an amazing price for it, way more than they paid for it, got a ton of equity out of it, got that equity, paid off their debt, and then boom, now they're able to uh, take that money, pay off that debt, and, and rent and save while they plan for the future. Love, love, love that. So get your debt under control. Find a way to get out of debt. It's going to take work. It's going to be hard. Trust me, I did it. Uh, you can do it. All right? Question or uh, again, why do I keep saying question? Oh, okay. Point number 10. Give, 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 give. Now you're, you're like, wait a second, Molly, you want me to save? You want me to get my debt under control? You want me to get insurance? There's something, and now you want me to give too? Yep. Yeah, I sure do. Okay. So I started my debt free journey in June of 2008. In the fall of 2010, I was really struggling. Okay. I was really struggling. I could barely make ends meet. And I'm not going to go into the whole story today, um, but I felt called to start tithing. Uh, I was a new believer. I was a new member at my church, and I felt called to start tithing. Now, at the time, 10% of my income was like, it just felt, it felt impossible. It felt impossible to me. Like, how am I going to start tithing? Like, I barely have enough money for groceries. How am I going to start tithing? But I felt called to it. And I started to tithe. And pretty soon, like, my mindset changed when my... When I began to think of money as something that was a gift, um, and this is not, I'm not, I'm not going into like a prosperity gospel thing or anything like that. No, that's, that's not what I, I want you to hear my heart on this. When I started to think about money as something that I was to be a good steward of, I was to be a good steward of my money. Then I started to think, okay, well, how can I bless others? Even though I myself was financially struggling, I was struggling and I'm, it's, I could, wax poetic forever about how bad my situation was, but I was struggling. But the reality is when I started to think of my money as not mine anymore, but something I was given to be a good steward of. And one of the things to do when you're a good steward of your money outside of, you know, budgeting and, and saving and, and getting your debt under control and all those kinds of things. One of the things about good stewardship of money is giving and generosity, financial generosity. So Give because when you give, it shifts your entire mindset on money. When you no longer see money as something that is yours and yours alone, but something to be a steward of, to take care of other people, not just yourself, it changes everything. It changes your entire perspective. It changed my entire perspective on how I approach finances. 
And so, I mean, now in, in a lot of ways, like my, my, our motivation as a family is we want to be able to give more away. That's something that we just, we just genuinely are passionate about. And I, it brings me so much more joy to be able to give money away than to spend it on myself. Because you can, the reality is, is, yes, you should donate your time and your talents and all those kinds of things. But where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Okay. And so when you you put your treasure, your, your money into something and into an organization you care about, into a church you feel passionate about, into um, a community that you care about, guess what? There, your heart will be there as well. Because where you put your money, you suddenly all of a sudden care about it a lot. And when you start to think generously and give, 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 it changes everything. It, when you can be a blessing to others, it in turn is a blessing to you. And so if you're in a tight financial situation, this sounds just absolutely crazy. Start small, start small, you know, whether it's a five to $10, you know, sending a Venmo to somebody who, and just saying, Hey, I'd like to buy you coffee or lunch today. And just as a, as a small blessing, just blessing somebody else with something little, it really does change everything. All right. Number 11, start buying smart. So unless you're like Bill Gates or, you know, Elon Musk or, you know, whatever, okay, and you're, you're some rich person, you have more money than you know what to do with, the reality is you need to be shopping around and knowing what you're paying for. So like, for example, I am very much of the mindset, and now I realize that some people have very strong opinions on this, don't at me, okay, this is just my opinion, don't buy a new car because it's new. Because you might be able to buy the same car barely used for a much better price. Okay. I have made the mistake twice in my life of buying a brand new car and I regretted it both times. The best cars I have purchased have been used cars. Okay. Now you can sometimes find a used car that is like barely used. So it's like basically new. Uh, so don't buy a new car. Okay. It's just, it's just my opinion. Uh, if you disagree, totally fine. I know people that have some great arguments for buying a brand new car. I just personally am not a fan of buying a brand new car. Clip coupons. Check your grocery store's weekly specials. Keep an eye on different promotions. Finding areas the, to save money is easier than you might think. Shop around. Buy smart. Don't just buy something because you see it and, and you're like, okay, that, I, I need that right now at that price or whatever. Okay. Number 12. Now this one, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe you might be, think is controversial. Maybe not. I don't know. We'll see. Number 12. Get a job. Any job. Okay. Are you out of work right now? This is literally probably the best time in history to get a job because I feel like every single place that I turn, I see a now hiring sign. Okay. When I was, when I like didn't have a job during one of the worst years of the recession, okay, nobody was hiring. I was tens of thousands of dollars in debt. I was broke. I was depressed. It was awful. It was awful. Okay. But instead of being a victim, I sucked it up. All right. Now I had a college education and I felt like there were so many jobs that were beneath me, but I did it anyway. At one point in my debt-free journey, I was working four jobs at one time. Now I'm not trying to sit here and be like, I'm a hero. And I'm not trying to like nothing like that. Um, and I'm also saying like, this was awful. I was tired. I was making, I was working seven days a week. Every single day I was working two jobs. I would go from one job in the morning to one job in the afternoon. I was getting up at five, six o'clock in the morning, going to one job, 
leaving that job and then going to my other job and working till sometimes one or two in the morning, getting like three hours of sleep. It was terrible. I zero stars do not recommend, but I'm saying like, I knew that I wanted to get out of debt and I wanted to work as hard as I could to get out of debt. And so I was working as a food runner at a bar and it was awful. And I had drunk people like being rude to me while I'm delivering their cheese fries. And I'm sitting here being like, I was once a high school English teacher and I was once uh, working for a governor and I have a college degree. And like, why am I doing this? But the reality was I, I didn't have an excuse. I had to do it. I was working like at retail on Black Friday at Anthropology. It was miserable. And I had all these people coming in being like, do you have any door busters? <laughs> I was like, this is anthropology. No, we don't have any door busters. This isn't JCPenney. Um, it was miserable. But the reality is, is like I was I, I knew that I had to get out of debt. And I knew that this was a consequence of my own decisions, my own actions. <laughs> this was the consequence of my own actions. And, and sometimes we just have to to take the consequences. Now, I'm not saying that maybe you're in financial trouble or you're out of a job based on your own uh, decision. That's that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that if you need to earn money, you can get a job. I, I believe in you. I'm encouraging you. I come to Durham because I feel like everywhere I turn, someplace has a now hiring sign on the window. So I'm encouraging you. You you don't have to stay there forever. Okay, you can give a job you and you can give your experience uh, in some kind of job. All right. Number 13 is know, knowing about your job's benefits. So whether I mean, I know that a lot of jobs, even part time jobs like Chick-fil-A and McDonald's, like a lot of times they might have, you know, like a, a, a program where you can work and then also get maybe, you know, money or investing towards uh, higher education. Or, you know, maybe your job might have a pension or a 401k plan or health insurance or what are the vacation and sick days, tuition assistance, student loan forgiveness. Uh, I know jobs that sometimes, you know, maybe provide like a gym membership, all of those kinds of options, exploring them thoroughly. And if they don't maybe have some of the benefits you're looking for, uh, you know, talk with your boss and see if that's something that you can negotiate. You know, especially if you work for maybe a small business or an independently owned businesses where they might have a little bit more flexibility. You can really get creative. Um, I know at uh, my husband's company, you know, they work with a lot of their employees to uh, at the media company. They work with a lot of their employees to kind of get creative as to, you know, how can you, you know, get a little creative? Like maybe you want Fridays off or maybe you want, you know, money for groceries or whatever it is. Like just thinking about creative ways that you can uh, be taken care of as an employee or if you as an employer can take care of your employees. All right. Number 14 is learn to read the fine print. You're probably like, wait, what? So if you're signing your name on a dotted line for anything, you better be dang sure you've read the fine print. So like if it's a gym membership, know how long you're locked into that thing. If it's a credit card, know exactly what the fees are and the interest rates look like now and down the road. If it's a contract with a realtor, know exactly what you're getting and what they're getting. The bottom line is if you're signing a legal document, you better know exactly what you're signing. Because guess what? If you find yourself down the road and there's a stipulation or a line in the contract that you don't like and you've already signed it, guess what? You're stuck. So get the information now. Get the information now. Number 15 is learn about your taxes. I know. <laughs> Give to Caesar. What is Caesar's? Taxes are not fun. Nobody likes taxes. Nobody was like, you know what I really enjoy doing is paying taxes. No, not a single person says that. 
So learn about your taxes, but know the difference between your federal, state, and local taxes. Know how much is taken out of your paycheck for each uh, kind of tax. Do you have personal property tax, personal income tax? Some states don't have personal income tax. Some states do. Um, you know, just all the different types of things. Know how much is being withheld. Know much ahead of time if you're going to need to set some money aside later, uh, you know, for income to pay uh, your taxes later. You know, know about estimated taxes, especially if you're a small business owner, if you need to be filing your quarterly estimated taxes, knowing about tax deductions and filing your taxes, filing your taxes. Do you know how many people I've heard from like in the last couple of years who have been like, oh, yeah, I haven't filed my taxes in a couple of years. I'm like, ah, that's a problem. So know how to file your taxes. If you need somebody, uh, I have a friend uh, who is a CPA. Uh, I also have another friend who is an accountant, can file taxes for small businesses. Uh, reach out to me. Let me know. I'll, I'll hook you up with somebody who can help you file your taxes. Um, back before my taxes were kind of complicated, now that I'm self-employed, my, I go uh, a little bit cross-eyed when I start to look at my taxes. And so I just, I'm like, no, this is not my strong suit. So I pay somebody else to do it. But, you know, back in the day, I just used, uh, you know, like I think TurboTax or something like that. Um, and there was another tax act. Tax Act was a website I used for a while back when I was just a, a single lady. Um, and I, I learned a lot along the way. So all about the taxes. Learn it. All right. Number 16 is know what you need to do to buy a house. So what are the steps involved in buying a house? What do you need to do to be qualified to buy a house? How much money do you have saved? What is PMI? Uh, how do you, you know, all those kinds of things. That actually leads me to number 17. But first is just what are the things you need need to do in order to buy a house? Now, also identifying kind of what does the real estate market look like where you are? Where we are is crazy. I mean, when we first bought, well, so my husband bought our house that we lived in. Um, so when we got married, day after the wedding, I moved in with him. Uh, we did not live together uh, before we got married, but um, he had already he had owned the house uh, that we were going to live in. So he'd bought it when he was like 24, put 20% down because he's just like that unicorn of a financially responsible adult. And so we lived there. But then uh, a year, well, no, it was like six months after our daughter was born. We knew we wanted to move. And so we sold that and we moved uh, to another uh, area uh, in, in another town in our area. And uh, so that but that was our first time buying a house together. And so I learned a lot about the process, you know, and as far as shopping around and knowing kind of what your budget is and what your mortgage is going to look like, depending on your down payment, all that kind of stuff. But there's a lot of things involved. But the market that we were in at the time was very different than the market that we are in currently. It's a much more competitive market. So right now, where we are, like you got to know exactly what you want, how much you can spend, and be ready to jump on it real, real, real quick, um, just because that's, that's na- the nature of the market. But you need to learn all that kind of stuff. Uh, but this leads me to number seven, and that is know what is needed in order to qualify for a mortgage. So you need to know exactly what kind of mortgage you're interested in applying for. So how much you need to put down in order to avoid you know, PMI and all that kind of stuff. And, and as far as like escrow, you need to know about all that stuff. So sit down and talk with somebody. Your realtor should be able to give you a lot of that information, but you can also talk with a bank or you know, you know, somebody who you know gives out home loans and things like that is talk to somebody and know all of those things before you go into that process. Number 18 is learn about those everyday financial services that you don't even 
think about. So like looking at your checking account, your savings account, uh, your debit cards, what are the fees associated, your, your minimum balances, interest rates, charges or fees uh, for using an ATM or another bank? Like if you travel out of the country, what are the fees that are going to be associated for using your cards out of the country, transferring money, like knowing the ins and outs of your accounts and the different things that you might do, but you don't necessarily think about um, for all of your accounts. And, you know, especially nowadays with the amount of people that are using things like Cash App and Venmo and PayPal, and there's, you know, there can be fees associated with some of those things. Or, um, you know, if you're transferring money back, or Zelle, I guess, is another one, um, you know, the risks associated with those things. It's just making sure to cross your T's and dot your I's, double check all of those things. It's just, it's so, so important to make sure that you're you're paying attention to the little details because that's where sometimes you can get into trouble. And I know when I was getting into debt, one of the big things was I was just getting hammered by interest rates on a lot of things that I just wasn't even aware of because I was young and irresponsible and I didn't know what I was doing. And so my my hope is that in sharing some of this information with you is you don't make some of the same mistakes that I did. All right, number 19, and this is maybe a little strange, but just trust me, is don't borrow money from your family if you can help it. It just, it gets awkward. Like once you're an adult, <laughs> you need to be paying for things yourself. If your parents want to, you know, or, or somebody wants to gift you some money for something, okay, that's fine. But like borrowing money from a family member or a friend just creates this like unspoken, awkward tension between the both of you until the money's paid back. And like, what if you can't pay it back? What if you can't pay it back? Then that tension just increases. And in a lot of cases, it doesn't end well. Now, there are always exceptions to things like this. There have been a couple times in the past where, uh, you know, we were maybe like as we were moving to the farm and we had this like awkward period between when our old house sold and we got the money and the equity from that house. And when we bought uh, the farm, there was like that awkward period where sometimes like you might need some money to kind of float you in the in-between until you get that the money from the house sale. Like in cases like that, like we, uh, you know, we talked to somebody who were like, hey, can we just borrow this for like literally a couple, like a, like a week? <laughs> like then as soon as our house sells, like we'll be able to, to pay you right back. Things like that, obviously, there's always exceptions to the rule, um, you know, and, and you know yourself, you know, but it's just in general, like avoid taking out loans from friends or family member if you can. Again, exceptions to all rules, but avoid it if you can, because it just kind of creates an unspoken, awkward tension. And a lot of times it doesn't end well. All right. And then last but not least is number 20, and that is be an eager student. And so what do I mean by that? I mean, be a constant learner, be willing to learn. The reality is, is that, yes, there's a lot of things over the course of history when it comes to personal finances and finances in general that um, have changed. Like, for example, one of the skills I learned as a child was how to balance a checkbook. Do you want to know how many times in my adult life that I have balanced a checkbook? That would be 0.0 times, Bob. Okay, I do not need to balance a checkbook because that's just not how we do, you know, money tracking these days. I do know people who still balance their checkbooks, but I, I think it's just they, it's like old habits die young or something or old, old habits die hard. What's the phrase? I'm bad with that kind of stuff. Uh, you can at me and tell me what the phrase is, but be a constant student. Be willing to learn. 
a lot of this stuff is changing constantly, especially as the economy changes, as the job market changes, as the real estate market changes, as uh, credit card companies change, as uh, you know, things like Zelle and, and Venmo and Cash App and PayPal show up. I mean, all these kinds of things are constantly changing. Be a willing student. Be an eager student. Be willing to learn. Um, like I said, I am constantly learning something. My husband, who's a financial advisor, he is constantly learning things. He's having to take kind of continuing education type courses for certifications and things like that. Like he, and he just also is in general, like he's an eager learner. He's somebody who wants to learn a lot of things. And I am too. So just know that you don't know everything. I don't know everything. We all don't know everything. And so when we know that we don't know, that's where we have the opportunity for growth. Okay. So be a willing student, be ready to learn, uh, you know, pick up once a year. If, if this is something that like maybe once a year, you have a goal of reading a financial book, uh, whether it's, you know, something like, uh, um, you know, a book by uh, Rachel Cruz. I, I had her on the show last year. Uh, like, I think it's know your, know your money, know yourself or know yourself, know your money. Um, there's a lot of different books out, out there like that. Um, smart women finish rich. I think there's also smart men finish rich. There's a, a quite a few, I think his name is uh, David Bach. Um, there's a lot of different financial writers out there that you can learn a lot from. And, you know, maybe you agree with every, you know, not, you don't, maybe you don't agree with everything they say. That's totally fine is just be a willing student, be willing to learn, be willing to, you know, know what you don't know and go from there. And that's how you, that's how you grow. And that's how you become better and stronger in your personal finances and your life and your business and all those kinds of things. So there you have it. My 20 ways to become a financially responsible adult. Thank you so much for listening. I am so grateful to all of you who have been uh, just encouraging over the last five plus years of this show. It means so much to me week in and week out. Um, for those of you that are new, welcome, 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 welcome. You can go back in the archives for 269 uh, episodes that uh, where I have sat down with so many incredible people and, sh and shared just things I've learned. And I never try to be and say that I'm, you know, fully an expert in anything, but I just try to share the things that I I've learned and the things that I care about. And I, I believe in being a good steward of all the things that I've been given. And that's including information and life lessons and things like that. Um, if you have not taken a moment to leave a review of the show, would you do that for me today? It would mean the world to me. You, uh, it's totally free. It takes, you know, a minute and a half of your time. Um, and it helps me and it helps the show a lot. You can go uh, to iTunes and leave a review. Uh, if you have not clicked the subscribe button, whether you listen on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Radio Public, Overcast, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts, uh, Good Pods, I think is another one that's new. Um, click that subscribe or follow button. That just helps other people to find the show and share the show with a friend. If this was helpful to you, if you felt like you learned something, tag me on social media, screenshot it and uh, take a picture of yourself listening to the show and post it on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter. You can tag me at still being Molly or at business with purpose podcast. And you can use that hashtag business with purpose podcast. Thank you again to our partner of the show, mama suds, go to mamasuds.com, Use the coupon code Molly for 15% off. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. Thanks so much for listening. Now go do something good with purpose on purpose. <laughs>